1: He's Peyton Jones, and this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell, and this is Peyton Jones here for uh, episode 24 which i'm not even going to attempt to say that in spanish cuz that's way beyond my abilities 24 and apparently not beyond yours so uh all right now we're we're, we're bilingual and that's important aha just it?
2: <laughs> <laughs> so hey next week is 25 that's a big deal
1: it is for a lot of people uh that's my IQ and um, our next
2: podcast. So,
1: I mean, that's a good you,
2: you know what they say. They say that by the time you turn 25, you're pretty much set in your ways. You're the person you're going to be for the rest of your life. That's kind so of if depressing, thought, actually. <laughs> well, if, if you thought the podcast was going to get any better, <laughs> hey, I got news for you, man. Next week, we better pull it up this week, man, because that's it. What I think is funny is um, Scott... Is it
1: Scott Blair, the uh, Wrestling with hmm. God podcast, Grappler's Church? Yeah. He reached out to me on uh, on Facebook, and I thought it was hilarious because he was asking my advice on a podcast. I'm like, he, he does such a cleaner podcast than us.
2: Yeah. We leave in all the mistakes.
1: It. We leave in all of that. And he's like, what's the secret to your success? I'm like, oh. one of us is an idiot, and the other one actually knows what he's talking
2: about. <laughs> And, and you decide who's who you just outed me pete here Here's the deal you know it, it's funny because um you know on on the twenty fifth we should do something special, right like uh do a naked podcast, <laughs> okay, I'm naked right now, but all right, whatever. I've been naked for all these podcasts i just <laughs> I just remember that one time on you pulled up together. your shirt
1: and showed me your nipple. <laughs> And you laugh because that's really what happened, and it, I was,
2: it actually happened. And on the
1: Google Hangout, I'm like looking for the camera so I can snap the picture so quick, but I couldn't get yeah, to it. Yeah, uh,
2: I was like, "That's not going to happen again." That so was going to go on I Facebook. Did, yeah, I did actually lift my shirt up again, exposing my nubbin, uh, except that uh, I turned the camera off when I did it, just to tease you a little. Bit. I
1: think I think that's a good that raises a good you know God question: Why do men have nipples? Why did God create men with nipples?
2: Well, dude, like when you're flexing your chest muscles, it would look weird if you didn't have a nipple. Ah, but that's only that.
1: because we know
2: of nipples.
1: If we didn't know of them, I don't know. I'm just saying, why do why do guys have nipples? Why did God that's if God question. made man first and he made man with nipples, or do you think maybe he didn't give Adam nipples and then later he's like, eh, you know, let's let's you know, turn about fair play.
2: Well gave so to we could draw to him so we could draw faces with our with our bodies and dance you, haven't you ever seen those guys put like hats on their bodies and oh. pretend they're whistling by sticking their stomachs out
1: and I still can't believe that people are saying that this is one of the best Christian podcasts <laughs> it's so funny to me man I got a, I got a I got Facebook by uh Jay Fulton this week and he was telling me about this TV show um he goes I think you should check it out uh church rescue on the national geographic channel have you heard of it or seen it yeah what do you know about it i haven't seen it i don't i don't get the national geographic channel
2: yeah i we pretty I much only out, watch church shows at my home that's it just i checked out the ad and uh <clears throat> it's guys that are kind of doing like uh yeah church rescue man they're it's it's church uh reinvigoration they're they're just trying to reinvigorate churches that are dying Guys are doing it wrong. It's it's approaching it like a business consultant and going in as business consultants and trying to save churches that are dying. Yeah.
1: Well, certainly but I, there's there's an aspect to that that's needed. But
2: Well, I was laughing my head off because I watched the guys um, on – some news show and they were hilarious just in the way they were dressed man if you ever saw guys it it was almost like they needed to take those guys on to queer eye for the straight guy and like sort out their clothes because one guy dude he was wearing a jacket that looked like it should have been on like how do you do mannequin or something you know what i mean
1: well what were you watching
2: what was it that show Or is it another show? Yeah, no, it was on, they were on like Fox News or something. And it was was attached to a clip that Jay sent me. And, uh, dude, it it cracked me up. It just, the jacket, they just look like the hairdos, the jackets. One of the guys looked like the slickest traveling salesman on the planet. So, that just cracked me up. I dig it. (laughs) That wasn't a nice thing to say, was it? Well, why should we start now? It had nothing to do with anything we're talking about. We're actually talking today Well, it kind of has what we're talking about. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you and I go, you know, touring around and, you know, burning rubber in a Winnebago, who are we to talk, right?
1: (laughs) Especially the Winnebago. We're trying to get 1970, 75, (laughs) somewhere in that range.
2: Yeah, which if, by the way... Think Breaking Bad. Yeah, absolutely. The end of the, the end of the tax year is coming up. If, uh, if you guys want to donate a Winnebago, even if you want to donate, there's another project Pete and I are working on. Um, you can donate uh money to new breed, um specify uh just contact us, email the website, tell us what it's coming in for, and uh we will send you a tax write-off uh for that at the end of your giving um if you want to support the work in any way. So the Winnebago is to conduct interviews for Church Planner magazine. We should probably tell people what it's actually for. It's for advertising and also for conducting interviews. Um, one of the, the problems we have in conferences is is unless they give us a green room, um, sometimes hard to find a spot because usually conferences are kind of maxed out. So this is kind of like our our mobile um, interview uh, studio. So It'll have a gas mask,
1: it'll have fuzzy dice, and a disco ball. Those are three things that will be in the Winnebago.
2: Guaranteed, it will have all of those things. It will have a few things like, uh, I don't know. We'll probably go to a video store and get like a giant, like Spider Man or something, or we'll put all kinds of stupid stuff in there. Where do you even know where there's be... a
1: video store?
2: I seen one in Garden Grove the other day. No kidding. Really? I did. What kind of movies
1: do they rent there? Because <laughs> I I have no
2: idea. But I actually saw because it's a, Garden a Grove, store. you know. So I mean, that, that could, absolutely that could be they're about twenty years behind in time. But uh, but anyway, so yeah, man, we're serious about that. And there is another project, um, you know, ten grand if you uh, want to donate. That's what it's going to cost us. It is an awesome. Awesome project. We can't talk about it right now, but if you want to donate again, uh, you don't have to give us full uh, ten grand. Nine grand will do. And if you can't do that, anything that you give, we will give you a tax write off if you specify what it's for, and it will go towards our project. Which is awesome. It is awesome, but we can't talk about it. It's so awesome.
1: It's 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 You're right. So tell everyone uh, what we're talking about today, because it actually does tie in with church rescue the project. Yeah, no. Well, it ties in directly with the project, but that's not what
2: I'm well, talking about. Okay, what what we're talking about today seven and fifty seven minutes and fifty two seconds into the program. Our topic today is probably the most asked topic that I get when someone comes through Newbury Church Planning. They often ask me, "Hey, man, you know, I'm going to plant a a church. Where do I start? How do I plant my core team? Um, I mean, uh, how do I start my core team?" Where do I get a core team? You know, is there like church planners or us? Is there a place I can go get them? Um, it, you know, do I go on Facebook? Uh, do I walk around the street in a clown suit with a sign and waving on street corners? How do I get or gather my core team? Because everybody knows that you need a core team. Core teams are biblical. Um, you see Paul tooling around with core teams. You see, uh, uh Jesus always sent people out in teams. Ministry from Jesus up is has always been team ministry. So if you're looking at it planting a church, you need a wingman and you need a core team. So where do you get one from? That's that's our topic today. Core teams are us. Yeah, you know I didn't think about that. Might be on to something there. So let's
1: let's start it off. I mean what's What's the first step in that? Because you know, as I look at it, I wouldn't have the <laughs> foggiest idea what you're supposed to do.
2: Well, you know, it's funny. I didn't either, and I don't think most church planners when they start up, actually do. I can remember when I planted my first church. It's funny because prior to that, I'd always helped other guys plant churches. What What I'm doing now is what I started out doing. Um, then eventually I went to the stage where I started planting churches. And when I planted my first church, I can remember my wife and I were on a walk and we're standing in a clearing. It was in Wales. It was beautiful. And we were just enjoying and kind of, uh, talking about our life and what we thought God was doing. And I, I had started up the, uh, the reading group in Starbucks and it was really taken off and you could see that people were getting saved. It was kind of, it was needing to become a church plant. And I remember thinking, um, you know, when, when I said to my wife, you know, hey, I, I think this is becoming a church plan. Cause if anyone remembers a story, uh, I had quit ministry and my wife, you know, stood on the edge of that field and, you know, we're looking out on this beautiful countryside and she just said, you know, I, I don't feel safe doing this without a team. Hmm. And, w- w- we just stood there on the clearing and we prayed. Um, and for me, you know, I, she was praying for a team. She was married to Knucklehead. So she knew she was like, Hey, you know, I, I don't feel safe. Just me and Knucklehead here doing this. Um, but for me, I was kind of thinking, yeah, Lord, you know, anyone else to come along and, and who's more suited to take this thing off my hands? Cause I'm, I'm not, I'm not the dude. That was bit, so for me, for the for the core team, um, it was more because I was cheesed off at God. I had quit ministry, and in my mind I was heading back to America. I was just done. I was like, there's no point in me staying here. But the Holy Spirit was working around me. But I knew that a core team was biblical, that it was right, that I couldn't just go like Johnny on the spot and plant a church. Hmm.
1: So then what happened? Don't leave me hanging. <laughs>
2: Well, you know, it's so funny because, um, uh, you know, I always tell people, if you're going to plan a church, you better start expecting God to turn up. Like no more of this whitewash of human effort where, you know, you're, you're just trying to figure everything out. So when people call me up and they say, Hey, how do I start a team? Um, first thing I say is you don't build a core team. God builds your core team for you. And that might sound hyper spiritual, but the reality is that. You know, there is no formula for this. Now, before you turn off the podcast and go, well, that's all. I, there are biblical principles. That's what I want to talk to you, talk you through. Um, there are ways in the scripture where you can find how they did it. And I used all all three of those methods. Um, I'm, g- I'm going to give you three methods here uh, where biblically, uh, core teams were, were recruited or, or gathered together. Uh, but you need to expect that God is going to be working behind the scenes, making this thing happen. So for me, what happened was I started having these chance meetings, you know, I'd be working on the bar and, um, at Starbucks and, uh, making people coffee. And I'd be talking to my coworker about, you know, I may be starting up this church thinking he might come with me and, um, some lady was sitting there, you know, she ended up being a part of our leadership team, she and her husband, and, uh, she was waiting for her, uh, soy latte. And, uh, and she, she, she kind of took me aside and said, Hey, I, I heard what you're saying, you know, um, uh, you know, we've been praying about something like that. Then I was at a church, where, um because I was in between, you know, I was getting invitations to speak. I never had a Sunday free. Um Not to toot my own horn, but I, I was, I was kind of busy as a preacher in in Wales. I, I spoke all over the place. I
1: love that you were busy, but you are still cheesed off at God and wanting to leave and go oh, back dude, home.
2: Oh, dude, I swear to you, I swear to you, I would show up. I was, I was in such a dark place, and this is always in, an encouragement to guys planning. They're like, dude, I'm just not. Probably not where I should be. Um, I was telling a church planter this week, God always shepherds you when you're shepherding others, always. You are a sheep as much as a shepherd. And so I would show up at these churches, Pete, and I'd be like, hey, um, you know, I don't want to be here today. And the, the congregation would like laugh. And I'd say, oh, you can think it's funny, but I'd say, you know, like I was just so raw. and And this is where I started learning to be honest, because what I do is I get up there and I was just real. Like I was, and I'd say, you know, me and God aren't doing so hot right now. I'm kind of cheesed off at Him, and um, I said, to be honest, you know, I only came here because you're paying me to be here, and uh, and they laugh again. And I'd say, you know, hey, you know, I like to keep my appointments. Plus, you know, I could use the money. So uh, I go, open your Bibles and let's see what happens. Maybe God will turn up. And 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 my attitude was kind of like, hey, it's His gig, not mine. And I know there's going to be people listening going, oh, what? You know, just being like completely horrified that, you know, uh, dude, get out of the pulpit. But you know what? I was so cheesed off, I didn't care. And so you can lecture me, you can tell me I was wrong, you can whatever. But I have never been in such a dark place as when I planted my own first church. And I was never the guy to be mad at God, ever. And I was just so angry, you know, and... um and so I look back on that, and I just think, you know, finally when I quit ministry, ministry started happening. And I needed God to turn up. I needed God to come build a team because I had no spiritual oomph. I had no spiritual—I uh, couldn't even try to make it happen. I wasn't even interested. My attitude was, hey, the Lord's already doing something in Starbucks. Either he turns up and completes it. And I used to always, like, say to God, God, you're doing this. This is your bag. I'm, I'm, I'm getting out of your way. And that became a way— for me to kind of you've you've watched me do ministry, Pete. You know, you, you know that I'm not there trying to control everything. You know, for me, it's kind of like the Lord has to turn up and do His own thing. And each church plan is different because the Lord will turn up and do something different in each and every scenario.
1: Well, you know, I, I think that's that's really interesting because as as we've been doing the Church Planner magazine, the Church Planner podcast, we've seen a lot of different styles of church. And, you know, I contrast that to even the church that I grew up in. And um, and none of them, none of them really resemble each other. Other than, like, you know, you go to a, like a, an established denominational church, they almost always look alike, right? Yeah. Like, you know, I've been going to Calvary chapel for years because they let you wear jeans and the Baptist didn't, you know? So, <laughs> but like, you could pretty much go to any Calvary chapel and they all pretty much look alike. Yeah, Um, I can only assume that's the way it is for the Baptists or the Presbyterians. It's literally been so long since I've gone to one of those. I I don't even know. But which, by the way, I will tell you this side story because that's kind of like our trademark for podcasts are the side stories. So when I was going to college – Short attention span theater? Is that what you're saying? Pretty much. (laughs) And besides that, my side story, much better than the other point I was trying to make. Um, So when I was at Biola – It was not better than the point I was trying to make. No, no. of course not. Nothing's better than that. So um, when I was at Biola, um, this one weekend we we were gonna check out this one church because one of our you know buddies started dating this girl and this was the church that she went to, and so all of us were like, all right, well we'll go to this church and check it out. So you know I'm still me, right? So we go to the church, and um, the the pastor gets up there. And it's his farewell speech he's he's telling the church that he's leaving. he's stepping down as being the pastor. there isn't a replacement yet, and you know so there was no like message. it was I'm leaving, so he's standing at the the entrance um and you know that's what you had to leave through right the the main entrance, so you know everyone's giving him hugs and shaking his hand, and you can't get out unless you talk to the dude right. I mean, it must have been Baptist, right? Because it's the old Baptist trick. You can't get yeah. out until you shake my hand. And uh, and I remember it finally gets to me and he looks at me and I'm like, it just won't be the same without you, pastor. <laughs> I mean, never been there before. <laughs> and all my friends couldn't believe what I was saying. I'm like, well, I don't know what to say to the dude. I oh, came to check great. out this church
2: and that was it. You know, that was- Oh, dude, that's hot, man. That is hot. But you and I... You and I, it's its good that we've only teamed up kind of at this stage in our life because we'd probably be in jail by now.
1: Well, I'm on parole, baby. No, I'm kidding.
2: <laughs> I was going to say – I'm kidding. It, I've been I, on I, parole ex-
1: for a while. Come on.
2: Come on. I, I actually expect you to say, no, you'd be in jail because you're stupid and I'm smart. No, no, <laughs> dude. I can't tell
1: you how many times I've been like, I cannot believe I'm not in jail. Like, especially the industries that I'm in, in financial planning – and in marketing, those two groups of people go to jail all the time. Yeah. All the time. And I mean, half the stuff, it's not even your fault. But because you're the
2: you know main guy, you're going to jail. So, I mean, it's just like, it's crazy. That's awesome. Because if Church Planner Magazine ever gets us in trouble, you're going to jail. You're the one with the tractor. Dude, record, I'm man. telling so you, that's exactly what that. would happen. I dig on they it. They
1: would look at me and they'd go, it's not that Peyton guy. He's He's not going to be any... Brownie points for us. We're not getting
2: any promotions for throwing him in jail. It's, it's Pete. You know, it's funny. It's funny because um, just along these lines, it's so funny you're saying that because uh, over the years now as I've been church planning, I always pick a respectable looking guy. If you've seen me, we were just talking about this. I have a ginormous scar. People don't realize this. My nose got a piece of glass went through my face and cut my nose Almost completely off. So I have this nasty scar it's right the across my face. nastiest scar ever. And, and Pete still, you know, looks at it and trips out on me. But, like, I, I'm bald, you know. I, I just look mean, you know. I, I, I'm not mean, but I look mean. And, uh, and so, you know, I, it's hard for me to talk to people like uh, No one feels threatened by you, though. That's, there's a difference. You
1: look mean in picture format. But when they see you life-size... Yeah. yeah. They actually expect you to have on a
2: ninja suit and come jumping out of a Winnebago (laughs) or to star in time bandits. But, (laughs) but the reality is, you know, it's always, you know, I'm a triple professional, you know, it's not like I, you know, I'm like an idiot or something or a thug, but I always send somebody else to talk to principals, to bank people whenever there's like, okay, you got to like you know, wear a, a a tie and collar. That's just something I've I've learned to do over the years. Just, you know, first first appearances, you know, send someone respectable. So it's funny to hear you say that. But, was it Jeff but over anyways, at, uh, in the UK? Was he the respectable? Absolutely. Yeah. He absolutely. He dealt with the building booking. He dealt with the bank. He dealt with all that. Charlie was that for us. Charlie was um, obviously
1: that for us. I, I mean, Jamie and I made this joke all the time. When I grow up, I want to look like Charlie. Charlie is like GQ. <laughs> his wife Julie dresses him so he's like perfectly dressed. He calls his hair the bonsai hair cuz
2: it's like always oh, man. perfect.
1: Man, you could not oh, man. get a better haircut
2: than what that guy's got. Every time you see him. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, going back to to recruiting. It's funny cuz, you know, uh, just case in point, you know, where did I get all my people from, you know? Um I'll, I'll tell you some more stories, but I'll, I'll tell them as uh, as I go here. But, but let me give the three biblical examples of how teams uh, got built in the New Testament, okay? And there's three ways, and I call them this. I call number one, recruitment, number two, the quickening, and number three, I call garden variety. So if we're looking at recruitment— um, you you might specifically seek a team member out. So Barnabas recruits Paul in Acts eleven twenty five. 25. So he goes up to Antioch, and this is his church planning partner. He goes up there, he's going to start a church. The Holy Spirit's been moving, but there's not a church as we know it per se. And so he goes up there, um, he evangelizes, he teaches, and... Guys start getting raised up. They establish a solid base. It actually becomes the church planning uh, excuse me—hub of uh, Asia Minor. Even though they're not, you know, they're they're actually in, uh, you know, kind of on the east side of the Mediterranean. But they they launch out northwest from there, and that becomes the hub uh, for most of Paul's missionary work. And so, you know, Paul, Barnabas just, he knows Paul. He, he has a history with Paul. He remembers Paul coming to Jerusalem for 15 days. And so he remembers, you know, I heard this guy talking and he goes and seeks him out. He goes up to Tarsus, the scripture tells us in Acts 11, and he recruits him because he remembers Paul talking about missionary work to the Gentiles. And that's like 12 years earlier that Barnabas heard him say that. So 12 years later, Barnabas goes, you know, I'm going to go recruit Paul. I think he'd be perfect for that. And so when you're a church planner, you have to kind of look at maybe there's like a friend or an old ministry contact, a seminary classmate, or somebody you've even heard about. My uh, church planning partner uh, in uh, Pillar which was the one that planned out of a Starbucks that the church that kicked my teeth in had actually kicked this guy's teeth in. And mm-hmm. so I was at a conference and someone said, Hey, you should meet. Uh, his name was Yan. You should meet Yan. Um, you know, he got his teeth kicked in at the same church. And so we hooked up and, uh, planted a church together. Uh, so, so it might be someone you don't even know, but part of the apostolic wiring is recruiting people. Um, you always know an apostolic leader, a church planner, because everywhere he goes, he recruits. And Paul did that. Paul would go through plant churches and his second trip back through, he trusted that they had developed enough to where he could take them and develop them on the road and make them into missionaries. And so Paul was an active recruiter. And I know, uh, there's a guy named Brian Henderson who's down under now, church planning. And that guy tried to recruit every single people out of my church, every single person out of Bill's church. Um, Anyone who had anything going spiritually, you'd see Brian trying to recruit him. And I love that about Brian because it just – it showed this guy's apostolic. He is a church planner and that's what we do.
1: Interesting. Interesting. What about the um, – how do you deal with like the personality conflicts that come up with people that you recruit? Like let's say you recruit somebody and they're like you know, game on. And then you find out six months later, you know, I don't even like this dude. Why did I ask him to
2: be on board? Ooh, that's a that's a great question. And I want to come back to that if we can. Only because – Can we um, stick a pin in that? Great. We'll come back. <laughs> only because, you know, once you got your core team – you know, obviously there's a time to develop the core team. There's a time for the core, core team to develop and gel together. And, and that needs a gestation period. You know, it's kind of like a baby, little fetus in the womb, right? You don't just like, you know, conception happens and then suddenly you get birth, you know, a couple of weeks later. It needs to develop. And so any team needs to be put in that pressure cooker together and there will be pressures and you will, you know, we'll get more into that, but that, that's an awesome question and that will happen. And everybody that you recruit, make no mistake, like Pete said, not everyone who you recruit is actually coming with you. Not everybody who's on your core team is actually going to make it to the launch date. And that's probably a bit shocking for most search planners to realize, but it's absolutely true. Um, the the second way that you see it in the scriptures, I, I call it the quickening, right? If you've ever seen the Highlander, uh, there's this phenomenon where all of the quote-unquote immortals, uh, they're these guys who uh, the only way you can kill them, they'll live through time. The only way you can kill them is, is beheading them with, you know, well, no matter what you behead them with, piece of glass, samurai sword, Um but there's this thing where they're all kind of pulled towards each other until, you know, the, the phrase throughout the movie is there can, there can be only one. And so they have to kill each other until there's one left standing. And um, trust me, core team buildings, nothing like that. But the quickening <laughs> seems to happen. In other words. Um, and it's nothing like Highlander 2, 3, or 4. It's only like Highlander 1. Those don't exist. There is only, there's only Highlander one. 1. There can only be one. The, the, the reality is, is that, you know, the quickening is, is this phenomenon where you seem like you've all been drawn together. So when I say, you know, you don't build your core team, God builds it. Um, it's because, you know, you're all being drawn together minus samurai swords and decapitation, but, people suddenly turn up or come across your path with the same passion to reach the lost in your area. So it's kind of like when you read in the scripture and Apollo suddenly makes his way through Corinth and Ephesus and collides with Aquila and Priscilla, and they eventually introduce him to Paul. So, you know, why did Apollo just happen to come through uh, Corinth preaching the gospel at that very time, right after Paul had left? Well, because he was needed right? He was the evangelist who comes through after Paul lays the foundation. Priscilla and Aquila are fulfilling the teaching role, establishing people. But suddenly, uh, this is a Church Zero reference, cha-ching. But, uh, you know, Apollos comes through. Why? Because he was drawn by the Holy Spirit. And this is why I'm saying, if you expect uh, to plant a church in the power of the Holy Spirit, expect God to actually be behind the scenes, you know, like the puppeteer moving people together, right? One of the things I remember you saying that
1: I thought was so uh, profound when I heard it, and I don't know if we've said it here on the podcast or not, but you said if God is in something, it's either 100% or nothing with God. It's not like God goes, I'm in for 20%, I'm in for 30%. It's either all in or not in it at all. Absolutely. Only
2: 100% or 0%.
1: Yeah, and I mean, to me, that's just, when I think about that in like the context of a church plant or really anything that you do. It makes so much sense.
2: Well, and and tying into that is another um, saying that I've said over the years. When people ask me, how easy is it to church plant? Is it easy or hard? And I say, you know what? If God's in it, it is the easiest thing. It's almost like when Jesus says, you know, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A guy goes to sleep at night. um, He wakes up in the morning and there's a plant there. And he has no idea how it got there, Right. Um, and Jesus says that's the kingdom of God because all of us that are, that are kingdom workers, we know we're like, man, I didn't do that, right? I might have scattered seed, but like Paul says, God alone makes it grow. Um, the one thing that, that needs to happen is that plant needs to grow and it's the one thing you can't do. So you can't cause any spiritual growth in people. You can't, you're told to do the, the things that farmers are told to do, but you actually can't do the real work. So it has to be God behind the scenes, um, doing the real work. And so, you know, let's say like in the Quakening, someone in, in your core team, you know, you've got people. They're starting to gather. You've recruited a couple people. And then, uh, suddenly somebody says, Hey, you know what? I got this friend. This friend of mine just called me out of the blue asking me where I was going to church. And we haven't seen each other for gosh, maybe 12 years, but you know, he'd be perfect for a church plan. And then boom, you know, like, why did that guy suddenly call after 12 years, hmm. you know? And then you just go and grab your samurai sword. Um, just be in time. But, but the reality is it like with, with Jeff, right? Um, Jeff was one of the most uh I, I can't even begin to to tell you about how awesome it was to serve with jeff um the, the way that guy walked in the supernatural i i needed to to serve with jeff at that time um but jeff you know i was preaching at these other churches right and i was preaching at different churches every week and so what happened was um jeff and and i was doing better at this time right so uh, jeff turns up at the church that I'm preaching at shakes my hand afterwards, you know, it's a little bit more of a traditional church in Wales. I go to another church the next week, Jeff's there again. I I don't say anything. He shakes my hand, whatever. Third time, third week in a row, when I'm at a different church, and Jeff's there again. And he says, you know, I, I say to him as he comes up through, you know, at the end, to shake my hand i said are you guys stalking me and they said they laughed and said we are just about to ask you the same thing and i said where do you guys go to church and they said well we're actually new to the area we actually uh we're looking for a church and every time we go to a church to 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 try it out you're there and and they go we're starting to wonder if Maybe we should go to your church. He said, where is your church? And I said, well, I don't have one. I'm kind of like Little Bo Peep. I have no sheep at the moment. So, um, But I am thinking about church planting. And if if I planted, there's something I told them about Starbucks. I said, look, um, I, I, oh, and they said, what would you call it? And I said, pillar. And they both looked at each other. Their jaws dropped. And they both looked at each other like, what? <laughs> and then. <laughs> I just do that to make Pete laugh. But but anyways, what, what happened was uh, they had been on this, like, just, you know, going up to the mountains. There's a town called Brecon up in the Brecon Beacons. You wouldn't know what that is, but uh, it's uh, it's a beautiful place. Oh, in fact, if you, um, if you saw uh, World War Z, um, they filmed some of it up there. Oh, nice. I did yeah, see remember it. Remember when it ends it. up in Wales? Oh, yeah. You know, whale saves the world again. Of course. Like so many films. Um, so anyway, so they you know, they were up there and they went into this old antique store and there was this old like Victorian romantic painting of God leading the children of Israel through the wilderness. And they, it was the pillar of cloud. And God spoke to them and said, because they were up there to to fast and pray and seek the Lord. And God said, hey, you know, I'm going to lead you Um Like I led the children of Israel. Well, that was how the name was given to me was prophetically when I was banging on the steering wheel and yelling at God. I just moved to Swansea, had no, I, i had quit the church I was at. I moved my house. I was on my way to preach one night at a church and I was screaming at God, literally screaming at God on my way to preach. And I was saying, why have you done this to me? You know, why have you caused me to get kicked in the teeth? Why this? Why that? And God was bringing me into the fact that you're a church planner, and I, I just didn't understand. So I've learned now to just, well, you don't know what's going on, just shut up. But you know, I was screaming at God, and I look in the rear mirror. Now it it rains every day in Wales, so I'm looking in the rearview mirror, and there's this amazing. Cumulo nimbus cloud. I didn't make that up. That's actually what it was. When you see a a a puffy cloud, but it's like standing straight up, almost like a nuclear blast. You know, it's like a Mm -hmm. column. Mm -hmm. That was in my rearview mirror looking down the freeway. And God spoke to me prophetically, like Johnny Mnemonic. The whole conversation is downloaded in my head in an instant. We didn't have a back and forth. It was like God just wrote a paragraph and instantaneously downloaded it. And he just said, hey, you know what? You got this all wrong. I don't owe you an explanation for anything. I never have. I never will. But as I led the children of Israel in the wilderness in the Old Testament, I literally um, moved when and as I saw fit. And when the pillar moved, they blew a trumpet, they broke camp, and they moved behind me. And then when I stopped, they blew a trumpet, they made camp, and they stopped and they camped out with me. And God said, if you want to know where I'm leading you, it's very simple. All you need to do is stay close to the pillar. And God was just speaking to me like, Hey, you know, it's about me. Just stay close to me and you'll know where you need to go. And so I was like, I come home and go to Andrea, you know, um, if we ever plan a church, I think we need to name it pillar community church. And now her jaw drops, right? This is a couple months before I'd met Jeff and Pam and, uh, she goes and gets her journal and digs it out. And like two weeks earlier, she had written, if we ever plan a church, I want to name it Pillar. Hmm. So, you know, you got to expect God to turn up. So if God's in it, it's the easiest thing in the world. If God's not in it, it's the hardest thing in the world. I, I don't wish it on my worst enemy. But so the quickening started happening. I could tell you, we, we used to say with our core team, we, we would say everybody who joined our core team has a story at pillar. Everybody has a story. Everybody has some kind of weird supernatural story of how we got there.
1: That's interesting, man. That's um I think, you know, one one of the takeaways that I get from that story is off the subject as usual. But it's it's almost like I just I just hear the the grace of God. Like you're yelling at God, ticked off at him. And you know God could just smite you just as easily as anything else. (laughs) It's just like, you know, but no, he's like, I don't know
2: you anything. He, he should have beaten. Here's, here's the amazing thing. You know, it's like, I always feel this, you know, we mentioned a few weeks ago, I was talking about my sending pastor and I said, he should have fired my butt. And there, there's every day that I walk around amazed that I'm in ministry. Um, and and I know pastors say that and it sounds really humble and stuff, but the reality is I'm I'm like living proof. I when I planted my first church, I had a smirk on my face almost the entire time because I was like, This is a joke that God can even use me. And I and I still, you know, I still feel that. I feel like for God, um, I I feel God has such an awesome sense of humor. Uh, when Paul says, you know, he uses the foolish things, um, it, it's like when you're watching YouTube and you're watching some stupid thing like cats with rainbows shooting out of its eyes and you're laughing so hard you're crying because it's so lame and people are so into it. And it, it's like Paul saying God uses something like that to, you know, wow, you know, get the Nobel Prize. You know, wow! The 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 greatest minds of this age, and 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 so for me, like being in ministry, it's always felt like that. I literally went through ministry the first few years with the smirk. I actually still kind of retained a bit of the smirk, you know, truthfully. And I, I I know at Refuge Long Beach, it's because I know God is there, and I just know that He doesn't need me. It's a joke; He's used me. Hopefully, other knuckleheads are paying attention and realizing God will use you. But yes, grace, the whole thing. And that's where, that's where Paul, Pete, that's where, that's where Paul rests. He says, you know, number one, he says, who's sufficient for these things? Um, but number two, he says, hey, these things were, God counted me faithful, calling me into the ministry. I wasn't faithful, but he counted me. And that's the same Hmm. Greek word when it says he counted us as righteous. Um, it's credited, literally means credited to your account. And when God says, you know, Paul says, um, he called me into the ministry so that he might display the wonders of his grace, right? He called me the chief of sinners. Paul constantly gives that. he He's literally, he's not just preaching grace. He himself is the embodiment of grace. The fact that God even chose him as a murderer, as, you know, the chief of sinners, you know, you name it. And Paul is feeling that grace on it. It's what's called ministerial grace, that's the theological term for it. Well, now I feel smarter. You are ordained, after all.
1: I am. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, what's g- the uh, second strategy? Strategy numeral dose. No, no, it's
2: it's numeral. What's three? <laughs> Trace. Trace. Oh yeah, the little. Oh yeah, I should remember that from uh, Speedy Gonzalez. I got kicked out of Spanish class. I don't know if you know that. I no, the, Why did you get kicked out of Spanish? I don't know. I still, to this day, don't know why I got kicked out. I was failing every class, but she literally... I got kicked Spanish out of Bible teacher, class. Did you? Uh, now, yes. that's not hard to believe. But I got I got kicked out. I was a punk, and uh, my Spanish teacher just literally, one day in class, comes up to me and goes... And I'm not saying I was innocent. I was a punk. But she literally comes up to me and goes, this is why I don't know Spanish. She took me into to French. She literally marched me over to the French teacher <laughs> and goes... He's not allowed back in my class. He's not learning Spanish. He's learning French from now on. Boom! Slam the door, and I'm in there. And the French teacher said, "Take a seat." And that's why you know all those Jedi terms in in uh, French. Yeah, they had this page with movie posters, and I went. You know, as soon as I found that, I'm like, "Hey, this isn't so bad." And I can say a hunger for cheese, which I did use when I went to France. (laughs) Lovely. It was awesome. So okay, so going to uh, numero tres, uh, the Garden Variety. Okay so you got recruitment right you people you know you got the quickening and you got garden variety you make your own church planners now this is Paul's chosen method. So you got to have a little bit of track record behind you in order to, to utilize this one, right? So Paul preferred the homegrown variety that sprung up as converts out of the churches that he personally planted. So if you look at Timothy, Titus, and Luke, these were all his converts. So if you're evangelizing and discipling people, doesn't matter if you've never been a church planter. If you've been in ministry already, then you've got people that you've been growing up yourself. So for me, when I, it, it's really interesting. For me, when I see new converts, I immediately begin to think, right, how can this guy catalyze the kingdom of God to, to the next level or to the next area? So I always kind of, am, you know, it's kind of like I was watching something by Gary Vaynerchuk, right? He, he was talking about social media. He said, most guys are worried about what's going to happen two to three years from now. He said, I am worried what's going to happen two to three decades from now. That's what I'm thinking. And I have to say, that's kind of, God's given me the long view. And I think church planners need that. You need to be able to see further down the road right? my I see a lot further than I used to see before I was a church planner. Now I can see a lot further. I see this guy 10 years from now. How can I get him? It's kind of like, you know, I guess in a way it's like the business model, but um they say, you know, set a goal where you want to be, but not even go in business route, literally just in the spirit. I know God has a calling on everybody's life. So if an ex-con comes and he's, you know, just free off crack or whatever, I'm not seeing him as, well, how can we get him into the Bible and keep him off crack? To me, that's too small of a view of what God's doing in that guy's life. For me, it's like, how do I make this guy into a church planner? Does that make you sense?
1: Know, yeah, that's, that's, um, that's pretty crazy because I, I'm pretty sure that's just not how most people look at people, you know, especially let's take the, uh, the prostitute, right? So a prostitute comes to faith, leaves their old lifestyle behind. I I would imagine that most people would look at her or him and say, yeah, well look at what they used to be though. I mean, let's just, let's just hope that what they can do is, you know, pretty much uh, stay off drugs and, and, you know, hold down a good stable job. Like, I, I don't think that thought really crosses most people's minds of, you know, how can, how can we, you know, help train up this guy It'll be fun to see how God uses this person. I mean, I just don't think that's what crosses most people's minds. I I certainly don't think it crosses my mind.
2: Yeah, you know, and, and the funny thing is, is, man, keep in mind, like, when I was 15 years old, it was so amazing to me. I think we need to allow people to fail. The reason that that we don't take chances on people's. The church has this really weird thing you brought it up last week, but we've got this really weird theology about risk and failure. Um, the, the, the status quo of how people think about it is if it failed, God must not have been in it. And it, for me, I think really nothing ventured, nothing gained. I mean, God takes these, you know, he's sovereign. So he's not gambling necessarily on anybody, but God likes to take, people who aren't up to the task, who are not cut out for it, and wager everything on them. So, for example, I mean, if if I uh, had to to reach the world of the gospel, I certainly wouldn't pick the church to do it. Um, not, not in its state now, not in its state in the first century. Um, you only got to read the first couple chapters of revelation to realize that something was rotten in Denmark early on so um, but but that's what God delights to do. He delights to take uh, the weak and foolish things of the world and demonstrate uh, his power and his glory through them so
1: well you know along those lines, you know one of the things that that as I look at um, how am I going to explain this without sounding like a total freak? All right. There's a scene in the movie Training Day. you got to relate everything back to a movie, right? Oh, you're <laughs> well, a film major. Of course. <laughs> and, you know, it's just much easier to watch movies than to read books. So um, <laughs> Denzel Washington is talking to Ethan Hawke, right? And he's like, this ain't Checker's son. This is chess. Like, that was his his saying. You know, this isn't some simple I move here, they move there. You know, you got to be thinking about the long game. And I, I've always loved that line. This isn't checkers. This is chess. Mm. And the way I kind of look at it, though, you know, with God, it's not that this isn't checkers. This is chess. This is not even three-dimensional chess, which, you know, if you ever watch Star Trek, like me being the nerd used to love that show. And they played
2: three-dimensional chess. No, I'm, I'm going to trump you on that one because they had that in Star Wars. Remember? Well, they the had, monsters they had and the Millennium Yeah, they had Falcon. something else,
1: but it wasn't. Yeah, that was like, yeah, that was different. That was a different If I was kind of an chess.
2: Uber nerd, I could actually tell you what game that was. And you'd probably already know how to play it. Dude, I don't know what it is, but I definitely want to play it.
1: <laughs> and uh but with God it's Let more the bookie like win. it's more like a a five-dimensional game of chess because yeah. it's operating in this three-dimensional world, but there's also a whole spiritual dimension to it. And then on top of that, God's not limited by time like we are. Yeah. And so You know, when I hear that statement, you know, what if it fails? Because, you know, we just said earlier in this particular podcast, you know, God's either in it 100% or nothing. But it's not to say that God doesn't use those failures still for his glory and for his benefit. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, let's take, for instance, Church Planner Podcast and Church Planner Magazine. You and I have no idea where that thing's going to go. It hasn't made any money, it's cost. Tons of well, not tons. It's cost plenty of money. I mean, even with the Kickstarter funds that we raised, I mean, we're still in it way over that. And so, I mean, in all, you know, business sense, it's not been a a commercial success yet. But yet look at what's already come out because of it. Yeah. You know, for one, I, I can say for my own self, the difference between me today and who I was even, you know, five years ago is immensely different. But a big part of it is, one, just doing the stuff of getting into, uh, you know, a state of being involved in ministry. I, I don't say that I'm involved in ministry because I'm not out there evangelizing. I don't do that type of thing yet. But um, but certainly there's been a change in my own life, in my own thinking, in my own everything, right? So God can use even the failures to still bring about what he wants. Does
2: that make sense? Absolutely. And, and, uh, you know, don't downplay too, too much, you know, your role in evangelism because you and I frequently talk about the conversations that you're having with people where you are sharing with them and you are sharing the gospel. And I know you'll always downplay that because you, you know, your dad was a pastor. You're like, dude, I'm not doing. No, I I think, I think, you know, I, I know you, I know, I know that you know what I'm saying, but, yeah. but, you know, seriously, you know, it's, it's all part of it. Like you're doing stuff now you never did before. And the, that's just how the Lord does it. Even with church planting, you know, He doesn't suddenly, even though I'm talking about being out of your depth, He's always going to try to keep you out of your depth. Um, for me, this is going to sound kind of weird, but church planting to me now is not a challenge. Um, it was an immense challenge when I started doing it. Um, but w- when I get to that point, I know that the Lord is saying, um, we've got other things now. You know, there's other places I'm taking you. And so, and that's happened. Like this past year, the Lord started moving me into other areas where it's more of a challenge. And, um, you know, it's funny though, because when you're talking about chess, um, I'll never forget being a psych nurse, and I've always thought this is how God is. Um, <laughs> this is a horrible analogy, but when when I was a psychiatric nurse, there was a, a kid in the adolescent unit who um, he had been raised on a steady diet of porn and horror films by his father, and he had a schizophrenic break uh, when he was very young as a child. Um, which is a little bit unusual because normally it happens around adolescence, but he had had an early psychotic break and, uh, he would hallucinate literally that Leprechaun, remember that film Leprechaun? Oh, yeah. Made famous, of course, uh, by Jennifer Aniston who starred in that, which a lot of people don't realize. And uh see now I'm gonna to have to World. go back and watch it. So Wayne's World. You'd be watching Wayne's World, uh which you of course is a good Baptist uh preacher's son never saw. But uh back in, in the day Wayne's World would always flash the leprechaun and go, uh ah! which was Pretty classic because it was such a B movie. But this this poor kid would always hallucinate that Leprechaun is in the shower. So trying to get him in the shower is really hard. But he was extremely violent. He was actually uh, criminally insane, very psychotic. Um, and they had to drug him uh, because if he had any energy, he would literally try to kill people. And, um, you know, the, the stuff, I mean, I'm saying this and this is blowing people's minds. I, I, I've, unfortunately, I've seen way too much in, in my, uh, <laughs> in my life stuff that if you wonder why I have a sense of humor like I do, it's survival, right? Um, so p- one of, the, one of the things that happened was, um, you know, they hadn't back in the early days and weren't drugging him as much. And he grabbed a pencil and stabbed a chick, another, uh, adolescent in the neck. And so that was just kind of typical. He would attack you if any given any chance in an attempt to kill you. So, uh, but, but he was a, a certifiable genius. Um, he was extremely gifted, extremely intelligent, but he was almost always sedated. and So he was kind of like, he would talk to you almost like he was sleepwalking. He would move extremely slow and there would be times where he'd have to be restrained. But there's, what I remember in, in relation to our conversation was he was such a gifted chess player. He had won championships before his psychotic break. He had been playing all throughout the, the, the days as a kid. And what happened was um, only one staff member had ever beat him. But because he was so drugged up, he would lay in his bed. There was a chessboard on the bedside table. They would pull it out. And a staff member, he always had to have what was called a one-to-one. Someone always had to be next to him at all times to make sure that um he didn't hurt anybody. And uh, he could play chess against people that were very good at chess. Some of the staff were very good at it. And he could play it with his eyes closed because he'd be so sedated. They would tell him, I'm moving my pawn to this location on the board. Hmm. I'm now moving my rook this many spaces this way and this many. It, it was incredible. And he would beat them every time. And I remember back then, because I, I had to sit with him for a few one to ones, my chess skills were horrible. Uh, in fact, I, I actually learned to play chess uh, because of him. Um, but. Uh, I I never knew before then, but, um, but he, you know, I always thought that's how God is. Like it was no effort to him. Eyes closed, you know, not even trying, you know, can't even see the board. Boom. You know, like Hmm. you're never going to outmaneuver God. And church planning is one of those kind of cool places where you see everything moving together. So um, how to build your core team, those are the three biblical ways. I mean, I could sit and tell you story after story. One of the cool things about uh, this well, how last... about
1: answering my question from the beginning?
2: Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, let's come back to that because we are going to hit this. There's so much more to talk about. Like, we just told you the three ways. There's going to be a lot more. What do you do with personality conflicts? Well, um As you get on there, there's, there's your vision, what you're actually called to do. Um, if, if your vision is right, then you keep rallying around the vision. It's kind of like the American Constitution, right? Um, no matter what the government do, does, it's always supposed to be faithful to the Constitution. So, uh, if, if the president tries to, change the country into something that's not, well, you know, there's there's the Constitution. There's other branches of government that are intended to make sure that he adheres to the Constitution. And ultimately, the uh, military, the armed forces, has pledged allegiance not to the president, but to the United States of America, and has sworn as they join the military to uphold the Constitution, not to uphold the current uh, leader or president, so uh, the Constitution is what, and they only support that leader so uh, so when your your mission statement, your vision, everything has to come around back to that, and of course there's safeguards that you put in place so that the the church does not become. About a person, but when you have people that have um, severe personality conflicts, uh, somebody's just one of two things is going to happen: either the leaders themselves, or or the members of that core team, are immature, and they need to learn to work together. Or um, there's just they're just simply meant to go separate ways, and of course Paul and Barnabas have a parting of the ways in the Book of Acts. And the good news is when that happens, the gospel goes two directions instead of one. Hmm.
1: So, but how do you actually handle that? Not just do you part ways, but I mean, how do you deal with it? How do you talk to the
2: person? You know, yeah, it's so funny because when when I've planted, when I plant it like I have to say that there there are very different ways of handling it depending on your situation. And and really that would be an entire podcast. But I can just tell you a couple stories. Um and and really we will need to talk about that in a podcast because conflict res- you know, our biggest uh uh podcast that people downloaded was when is it time to quit? Right. I would guarantee <laughs> everyone's <if> we, <laughs>
1: looking for the answer. Can I quit now? Can I quit now?
2: I I would say that probably the, uh, the second biggest, if not the biggest would be, uh, you know, conflict resolution and church planning. You know, um, I would imagine that people would just eat that one up. Everybody be sharing you know that right one now, all over.
1: Interestingly enough, the one about divine appointments. So it's when can I quit is number one. And then
2: divine appointments. Interesting. Interesting. Well, you know, uh, uh, case in point, like when I started Pillar, because, you know, again, I was like, there's no way I should be leading a church. Um, I told my court team in the beginning, if any of you guys wants this, you can have it. I, I don't want this. I'm I'm not going to be the leader here. And what was weird about that was when people kind of knew that, you know, this is God's church. Like, I don't care. Um it it had a kind of it's kind of like the reverse psychology where everyone was like, Well, we don't want it either, man. It's just God's church, you know, boom, boom, boom. And everybody just was cool about it. You know, there there was a guy who came, you know, he was he was actually pretty cool. I really liked him. He was a friend of mine. Um, I worked with him at Starbucks. He was a um uh, a DJ, he, he, you know, on the weekends, he'd go travel to Germany and, you know, rock the house and stuff. And he had some pretty cool ideas and he could lead worship on a mixing desk. I've still to this day, never seen that, uh, repeated, but it was awesome. And, uh, but he came to me at one point and he's like, Hey man, what are we doing here? You know, um, he had so many outside the box ideas and we just didn't fit. It, It was, our vision was, was not aligned with his, um, he really wanted to do stuff that was just completely um almost where like it wouldn't even be recognizable as a church anymore and i i just told him i said yeah, i don't know man it's, this is what i that i think we're going to do but but really it's kind of i think we're continuing on with what god's already been doing rather than trying to make it our own thing uh, or idea of of what we ought to be doing um this is what god's doing at starbucks this is what i think we need to continue doing and he took off he was like okay you know that's fine that's that's not that's not what I think I need to be doing. And you can't say that that's right or wrong. You know, maybe he found his true north out there and found what he was supposed to be doing. And, you know, I found what I was supposed to be doing. I definitely found what I was supposed to be doing. Hmm. But, uh, but but you know, we have to be careful when people don't get our vision that it—, it I always look at a church planning core team very, very loosely, like I hold on to it loosely. Like, you know, I tell them, I actually tell them, didn't, uh, you remember, I told the the church planning core team in Long Beach, another story. I got there and I just told them because my sending church had already formed this core team together. And I actually said, no, I don't want to take it for that very reason. But I came in and said, most of you, (laughs) very first night, most of you will not be here a year from now. Hey, you know w- welcome to the new guy <laughs> uh you're not going to be here in a year, most of you because you're here for the wrong reasons, and you you don't have the stomach for what's about to come uh if we're really going to reach this community uh instead of building the church of our dreams, but reaching the community is a priority, most of you aren't going to want to stick around for that hmm.
1: you know that's that's interesting because I wonder how many people do go to church. To build the Church of their dreams, as you just described it, because to me that just seems absurd yeah it, it's all
2: about an agenda, and uh, when we talk more about the vision statement the the core values, um, you know your mission statement, your vision. All of that, um, you gotta fight for that. And I know we've mentioned that before. Um, but that, that's all tied together with the core team. So in the upcoming weeks, we're going to talk about all of this stuff. How, do, how do you nail that down, that vision? Where does that come from? How, how do you know that you're hearing from God? Um, then, you know, how do you, what do you do with this team once you got him? How do you get him? Well, what do you do with them once you got them? How do you keep them? What if they want to leave? Um, how, how do you prepare them for the, for the launch of your church? I mean, these are all important questions. Mm.
1: Well, I can honestly tell you that I am looking forward to a lot of those answers. So,
2: Yeah, so you'll have to tune back in, Pete.
1: <laughs> I'll have to come back.
2: <laughs> what? <laughs> well, hey, don't forget to throw us a Winnebago if you got one and 10 grand we really appreciate or it. Or ten Christmas. bucks we'll
1: take ten bucks too.
2: Absolutely. Ten grand's better, but ten will do. And if you want to donate uh, for tax deduction, go ahead and hit uh newbreedchurchplanning.com or newbreedcp.org. And there's a donate button. You can hook on that and email email us letting us know what the amount was for and uh tell them link it to the podcast and say I'm Donating towards the mystery project, and we will make sure that we get you out of receipt. And thank you for that. We also want to tell you real quickly about Centralize coming up in Costa Mesa. That's going to be the twenty third, twenty fourth, and twenty fifth in January. And Pete and I are going to be there. Uh, you can still register for that. It's got an amazing lineup. And who whether or not we have in Winnebago. a Winnebago
1: when we go there, that's kind of up to you. If we do, we promise we will have
2: little people in ninja costumes
1: that could just be our kids running around in ninja costumes (laughs) because we can't afford out of the yellow pages to hire our little people.
2: Absolutely. We said little people. We're we're a PC. That could mean anything. Hey, this has been the Church Planner Podcast reminding you that if you want to reach ones no one's reaching, you got to go where no one's going and do what nobody's doing.